0: What do you do when you're diagnosed with cancer? How can you help a friend who is diagnosed with cancer? And how can churches help those in their congregation that have cancer? Join us today as I interview Karen Tripp, president of Cancer Companions. Karen is also the author of God is Bigger Than Your Cancer and a marriage and family therapist. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Karen. Thanks for being my guest today.
1: I'm delighted. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you are the founder of Cancer Companion. Yes, Neat. exactly. Neat. Well, tell our listeners. Just summarize a little bit about uh, that n- fairly new ministry. Yeah, very and much. How what you do and wh- what you're about. Okay, super. Um, Basically, we're a ministry
1: that ends up going into churches to train church volunteers how to start their own cancer ministries. Uh, Most of our churches end up building a team within the church of volunteers, where they end up doing Christian cancer support groups, as well as have people that connect with folks one-to-one. Because of course, if you're doing cancer ministry, there are going to be people that are too sick to be able to come to group. And that's why you have a team that's balanced enough to be able to take care of the needs of folks with cancer.
0: That sounds exciting. Yeah. And it's a fairly new ministry. When did you start it?
1: Four years ago this month in November. So. And you're in how many states today? We're in 12 states and 98 churches. Oh, wow. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm anxious to learn more. Uh, my youngest son, Jeff, was 32 when he died of cancer. So I understand mm-hmm. the challenges of families that are dealing with cancer. I was his caregiver Uh, I was working at the time, but my husband worked much farther away, and so he was living with us. Uh, And so I understand that. Certainly, cancer has many components, and stress for the family is certainly one of the highlights, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, Um, and that's part of why we really train our our churches to be able to reach out to not just people that are in treatment, but also folks that are post-treatment, but then as well as their whole family members. It's not unusual to go a cancer companion group and there'll be three or four people from the same family in the group together, Mm. um, which is exciting. Um, You know, mom has cancer, but dad comes too. a couple of adult kids are also coming and Mm -hmm. everybody is trying to be able to find their own way through the struggle. Yeah. It's a scary word, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. And, And as much as we all can think of people that we know that have survived cancer, we also seem to walk around with the sense that it's everywhere. And so it's kind of both pieces, I think, are happening in society these days.
0: Well, I was wondering on the way over here, and maybe you know this and maybe you don't, I think alcoholism touches one out of four people. What about cancer?
1: For cancer, it's one out of three women and one out of four men. Oh, wow. And so, yes, it can be very high. Um, A lot of it is their sense is... um, Depending on how long you live, the odds are very good that each of us in our
0: own way are going to have some type of cancer struggle. Wow, wow. So let's begin at the beginning. What do people do when they're first diagnosed with cancer? What are some suggestions that you give to these people that are ministering yes. at a congregation?
1: Well, I think part of what happens is that as a volunteer, or even as a loved one and a friend, when you know someone's been diagnosed, is to be able to not come with preconceived notions. It's real important to understand that their cancer journey is going to be very specific to them. And so the goal isn't necessarily to have a list of these are the 10 things to say to somebody when they get diagnosed. The goal is to be able to really step right into their suffering with them, to communicate in some kind of way to let them know that you want to be one of the people that they can honestly and openly share how they're doing. Um, Because the tendency is, is that when people ask, so how are things going, is that we say, fine. You know, not just about cancer, but about all sorts of things. And honestly, I think in some ways it's even worse than the church. Mm-hmm. I think in our church environments, we have a tendency to say, hey, Jesus has got this thing, so I need to make sure that everybody knows that I'm just fine. Uh, and it's true. Jesus absolutely has got this thing. But that doesn't mean it's not tough and mm-hmm. that there aren't hard days and difficult mm-hmm. struggles and that we need
0: support and, you know, the body of Christ to kind of carry us through it. And there's lots of emotions and feelings that people are going through a, all the way through their cancer treatment, uh, whichever way that goes. But um, what are some of? You're a, you're also a family therapist. What mm-hmm. are some of those emotions and feelings that someone diagnosed with cancer has? Um,
1: interestingly enough, I think that what you find typically when people are diagnosed with cancer is a very strong sense of I'm not going to let this get in the way of my life. And, you know, that's not a bad way. That's not a bad coping skill um, is to be able to just kind of look at this and say, if you know what, if I if what I typically do is wake up in the morning and I go and I make sandwiches for the kids and I cook them breakfast and then we go to school, then that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And the next day and the next day, I'm not going to let cancer get in the way. But the problem comes Because on that day that a person's been diagnosed, the odds are that they are healthier on that day than they're going to be for the next year of their life. Mm -hmm. Even if the treatment only takes five or six months, the recovery time post-treatment can easily go up to a year. And so, yes, on the next day and the next day, you may be able to turn to your friends and say, I'm fine. But somewhere on that cancer journey, the odds are pretty good that you're not going to get up in the morning and make your kids breakfast and you're not going to drive them to school and you need someone Mm -hmm. to turn to. Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, we're hoping that's the church. Oh, and it should be the church. The church needs to step up and help, but they need some kind of organizational plan. And you've put that into place. And I think that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just talking a little bit more, having gone through this with my, my son, Jeff, Uh, He had both chemo treatments and radiation. Mm -hmm. Um, They can make you even sicker, can't they? Exactly. That's part of why that day of diagnosis,
1: you can end up being healthier than you are three or four months later. Uh, And, of course, the problem is, is we don't know when that's going to hit. You know, Mm -hmm. people will come up to you and they'll say, oh, well, are you going to be at my niece's wedding in June? And you're like, I have no idea. And the Mm -hmm. truth is, is that a cancer patient really won't know until they wake up that morning whether or not that's something physically they can do that day or not. And so it's important for the people around them to live in that spontaneous kind of wait and see place that unfortunately the whole cancer family is having to live in as Mm -hmm. well.
0: And it isn't just the person with cancer. I mean, as, as Jeff's mom mm-hmm. and my husband and his sister, uh, it's a very challenging time. It does cause a lot of stress, and we pray, yes. but we recognize that everybody that is diagnosed with cancer does not survive. Absolutely.
1: I think there's some stresses on the journey that are in particular to cancer that increases um not just the stress for the person in treatment, but also for the family. Part of that is the fact that there's a wait and see component that happens as you're going through. You get that day, you're diagnosed, and the doctor turns to you and says, okay, here's your protocol. Here's your list of all the things we're going to do. We're going to do this many cancer treatments. We're going to do this surgery. We're going to do this many radiations. But then they turn to you and say, but in six weeks, we're going to do a test, and we're going to find out whether or not the treatments we pick are working or not. And so there's this wait and see sensation that happens where we're waiting to be able to find out whether or not the, even what the doctor selected to be able to make you better is even working or not. Mm-hmm. And the whole family lives in that stress oh, yeah. of not knowing if the difficulty and the struggles that you're going through are even worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we can also talk about uh, if we have a friend or a relative that has cancer, what can we do? Uh, So talk a little bit, because I I thought of our listening audience, they're just going to be all over the place. Some of them are going to have have had cancer and survived. Some are going to have loved ones that had cancer, may or may not have survived. Some of them just have a friend that was just diagnosed. What can that friend do?
1: I think the important thing for the friend to do is to not go anywhere, if that almost makes sense. Because what I'm saying is that if, let's say that that day when that woman can't get up and take care of her own children is going to be six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks away... Somebody needs to be sending notes in the mail with scriptures in them. Somebody needs to call every week and say, what is there that's new that I can pray for you this week? Somebody needs to be that person to consistently touch and stay there so that when that morning comes and they can't get up and take their kids to school, that person from the church, that person in their life has established that trust that I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for you to be able to carry you through that. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we train our cancer companions to do. Mm-hmm. Not just the interacting that they do with our Bible studies and our videos and those type of things that we have, but really how
0: to stay connected to these folks so that they'll you'll be there when they're ready. And, and for uh, some of these people, I would assume in your cancer companion uh, groups or teams, they don't know these people when they get started, and so you have to build that relationship. And in the midst of an illness, that's got to be a little more challenging.
1: I think so. And yet, and yet the other piece of the puzzle is true, too, is that in some ways having somebody that's outside of your family circle and outside of your friend circle can be very comforting. Um, there becomes almost this sense of permission that comes with it, mm-hmm. right? Somebody walks up and they've got a cancer companion label on them. You know that every time I see that person, I can talk about my cancer. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Um, Whereas you get to a a place in a cancer journey where it's very easy to say, you know, nobody wants to hear me talk about this anymore. You know, and so and I think that's true for most folks. If a cancer journey goes on long enough that sense of they don't want to hear me talk about it, which may or may not be true. It just feels that way. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is the protectiveness. You know, I've got these loved ones around me and they are struggling. And the person with cancer can see that. So
0: how much do I want to let them know how hard this is for me? Uh, Okay. Now, for me, uh, as a caregiver, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people asking, what can we do? And my sister finally said, You give me all those names and we'll organize a meal on the day that you take Jeff to chemo or radiation treatment. And it was wonderful because I didn't have to call all of them and go into, you know, how's Jeff doing? And it's my younger sister. She's nine years younger than me. And I'm like, whoa, Gail's really organized. And, and it was great. just very helpful. Yes. I really appreciated it. And I know Jeff did, too. Um, so do your teams do things like that as well? They certainly can. I mean, part of what we really encourage, um, there's
1: almost there's an exercise that we do with our families and stuff in the groups where we encourage them to make their own list of that these are the things that I need. I need someone to be able to walk the dog. I need Mm. someone to go and get the oil changed on the car. Uh, There's a light bulb in the top of the garage that went out, and I need someone to replace it. It's okay to be able to be the person who needs the help this time. Um, But that's a hard thing, you know. A lot of us don't want to be that person. We don't want to be the person who needs the charity, the person who needs the help and the assistance. We want to be the caregiver who gives to other people. Uh, But I find that part of the process is developing the relationship in such a way that they'll let you help them. Yeah, that's great.
0: Now, you wrote the book, God is Bigger Than Your Cancer. Why did you write that book?
1: I wrote that book because I felt as though so many of the families that are coping with cancer that I've dealt with, as well as watching the experience of dealing with cancer in my own family. My father was a 24-year colon cancer survivor. And my stepmom died of breast cancer back in the early 90s. And so that's kind of some of the history that I ended up bringing to the table. Um, But in the book, I wanted to be able to show folks that there was more for Christ to give them during their cancer walk than they thought. Mm -hmm. And so what the book entails is a collection of four different stories of people who drew closer to Christ during their cancer journey, as well as devotionals and prayers and scriptures and all kinds of things like that.
0: Awesome. That's that's super. I want to learn more about that. I'm going to make a few announcements, and then we'll come back. And I'm going to be mentioning a booklet that we're giving away that you wrote, Cancer, Courage Through Christ. Um, today, Family Shield is giving away Cancer, Courage Through Christ, written by Karen Tripp, uh, to any of our listeners that request it. To receive your complimentary booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center at one 877 250 Eight four one six again one eight seven seven two five zero eight four one six. Or you can email us with your complete name and address at witness to family at gmail.com That's witness to t o family at gmail.com If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com/slash thriventchoice or call them and they'll help you through that process. 1-800-847-4836. Send comments, suggestions for radio topics or a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. Remember, your gifts are tax deductible as allowed by law. And don't forget right now your gift of $25 can become $50 through our new matching gift grant. You can also give a gift digitally through our website at www.FamilyShieldMinistries.com. I want to go back to my guest again She is Karen Tripp, and she is the founder of Cancer Companions. We're talking about that today as we uh, go through the program. Uh, I want to also give your website, and maybe I'll just ask you to give that website so our listeners can connect and learn more. It's
1: www.cancer-companions.org.
0: Okay, and what will they find on the website, Karen?
1: Oh, there's all kinds of great stuff that's out there. Um, If you know someone that's struggling with cancer, I really suggest that you check out our blog. Out there you'll end up seeing cancer hero stories of Mm -hmm. Christians that are talking about where Jesus was on their walk. Um, There's also uh, Christian songs and inspirational quotes as well as scriptures and all kinds of things. And so that would be a good place to
0: connect. So because you're working with churches, obviously, um, but... Your goal is not only to help the person with cancer or the family; it is to help them grow in their faith. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Our our key verse is James four eight: "Draw closer to God, and God will draw closer to you." And the material is really designed to do that. I tell everybody that the book I wrote for the um, for this ministry it's called Seeing God in Your Cancer Journey, and it's forty one different devotionals for people that are coping with cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's not just scripture-based, it's really scripture-filled. You can't find a page without a scripture on it. And I like it that way. I, I think that's the foundation that folks are looking for. It really goes back to that same premise with my other writing that People don't know how much Christ wants to give them during their struggles, you know, and so I try to be able to help them to pray more boldly, to be able to see the way he wants to be involved in their relationships, the way in their decision making and coping with their stress, all kinds of things that those devotions end up involving.
0: Do you hear a lot of people say, why me, God, and people kind of feel like God is to blame when they get cancer? I don't know that there's – honestly, I don't think it's necessarily
1: blame. I don't find people that angry with God in that kind of sense. They're confused. They're Mm -hmm. frustrated. They're like, what are you up to? I think that sometimes some Christians become very confused about whether or not God is blaming them, you know, Mm -hmm. that whether or not there's this, well, if I hadn't smoked, if I hadn't eaten candy, if I hadn't this, that, or the other thing. Um, and this is as some kind of sense that God is being punishing with the cancer, which, of course, is completely wrong. Right. He's a glorious, loving God, and he's there carrying you through the cancer. He's yeah. certainly not yeah. something that he's done to you. And so I think those are some of the struggles. Um, but there's other questions that come up, too, like what's next, God? You know, um, cancer is never on the plan, right? Yeah. No, it and so, so you just wake up one morning and it's there. Well, the day before, you and God were on this track. And all of a sudden, cancer comes in the midst of it, so then it's like, well, now what, God? Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to be up to? And and so taking the time in the midst of the journey to really explore what is Jesus doing in the midst of my cancer, I think, is really
0: vital. Good. Now, it is a Christian ministry. Let's yes. talk about that. Our mm-hmm. Our program is a Christian ministry. Uh, but you're working with all kinds of Christian denominations yes correct
1: we're very blessed 17 different denominations right now and so um everything from Catholic to Baptist to Lutheran to Methodist and all kinds of folks in between and so uh, wow. we're really thrilled that the God's kind of using the materials to touch that many
0: hearts in that many different directions great well tell our listeners a little bit more about how they could personally get involved what what would happen what's some of the training mm-hmm. that they'll have and and what could they do i'm sure there's somebody out there listening that is saying i want to learn more so just share a little bit more with our listeners excellent yeah Um,
1: basically what the uh, training ends up looking like is that um, we go into a church we look for a team usually a minimum of three people is what we recommend per church Um, and then that team ends up going through five different steps Um, four of them are free web seminars that they can end up doing online through my website so they just go to the events page Uh, the first one is our introductory web seminar that's just a short 30 minute that they can watch anytime Uh, the other web seminars are live interacting with me i teach them Uh, and so there's one about six steps to get started there's another one about community outreach how do you connect with people in the oncology field people in christian schools all kinds of places Uh, and then we also have continuing education too that's a web seminar Um, Then there's a one-day live training that's done by our regional reps and myself around the country. Uh, And um, that's the day where we really teach you what am I going to do when I'm sitting there with somebody with cancer, Karen. Mm -hmm. And so we spend all morning talking about cancer. Um, A lot of the folks that are our volunteers seem to fall into two categories. One is that person who walks in that morning and they say, um, I've had cancer, I've lived cancer, and so I've been there before and I want to be able to share. I feel the Lord's calling for me to be able to share with others. Uh, and that could be a person who's a survivor, it could be a caregiver, it could be a widow or widower who've lost loved ones to cancer, um, or any type of family member that's been associated with it. The other type of person, which I think honestly all... Um, churches have are those incredible pastoral care folks Mm. those folks who want to go to the hospital to visit people they want to end up being on prayer teams Um, they're the folks that people hear so many stories about cancer that they feel the calling and they show up that morning saying i hear so much cancer i feel as though the lord's calling me to do something to give back And so those folks are part of that training, too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, And then um, the church, the team kind of decides how much time and energy each volunteer is going to spend doing this. Is it totally internal for members of that congregation that have cancer, or is it outreach oriented? It's very outreach oriented. Um, Each church can kind of make their
1: own decision as to how much or where they want to be able to make their outward um, contacts, but... Uh, There's no question that there are oncology nurses and that there are school counselors and that there are people out there looking for services like this to be able to refer families to. Uh, And so being able to make connections with those places in your community so that they know you're having a Christian cancer support group Mm. is huge and it can make a large impact.
0: So the members will know people, maybe a neighbor who might be Mm -hmm. unchurched, but they will still connect, and serve them. That's yeah. awesome.
1: It's I a beautiful that. thing. When, we're, when you go around the Cancer Companion Group and you start um, talking to the folks and one person says, well, I don't go to this church, but my sister does. And the next person says, well, I don't go to this church, but there's a guy in the cubicle next to me who gave me a flyer about this, so I came. And mm. and so you can see that the people in the pews are making the impact on the community as well,
0: absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah That's when Christianity is at its best, when yes. people are... yeah. Uh, Loving others yes. and serving others yeah. in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, and, 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 you know, when you have someone that you know that gets diagnosed
0: with cancer, you want to do something, yeah, you, you know, do. and so this becomes that something to do. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a story about somebody from your ministry.
1: Well, let's see. I guess I'll tell you the story about the very first cancer companion. Her name is Christy. She lives here in St. Louis, and she is a rectal cancer survivor and an amazing woman uh, who ended up coming to me when she had seen me doing one of my support groups and just said, Karen, I want to do this at my church.
0: Oh, Tell me how wow. to
1: do this. And so she and I uh, went out on and started to be able to gather a couple of people. She had a group of three from her church who took a training from me and started to use the materials and things that I developed and started to run their own group. Um, and she's been touching lives ever since, and that's been almost four years ago
0: now. Wow. Did yeah. you have this plan in place, or did God just oh, no. kind of open this up <laughs> no. when she offered oh, to no. do that?
1: Well, at that point, I was writing the material. I oh. knew at
0: that point that the Lord
1: had called me to say, well, actually, one day I heard him say, Karen, I didn't want you to write a book. I wanted you to start a ministry. <laughs> so it was kind of, I talk about it as the head thump, you know, yeah. the God's head thump on me. And so <laughs> I was already writing the material in anticipation of uh, training somebody someday. But Christy was the one who came forth. It was awesome. Oh, wow,
0: great. Well, what else do our listeners need to know about your ministry and how they can serve others that have cancer?
1: Well, I think a large part of it is that this is definitely the kind of work that churches need to be doing. I think that cancer has a tendency in churches, unfortunately, to f- slide through the cracks. Um, if I was a senior pastor, um, you would only end up having a certain amount of headcount, right? A certain number of people that could help you take care of all the pastoral needs. And so if it was me, I would say the first people that my um, folks should go take care of would be the folks in the hospital Mm -hmm. because they're in crisis. So they should definitely have somebody come. The next I would say is, all right, then I think we need the homebound folks, folks that can't even come to church on Sundays. We need to make sure we're doing visitations there. And then I probably would even go down maybe to folks that have chronic illnesses that they're going to be coping with for the rest of their lives. But somehow or another, cancer doesn't fit into those slots. Mm -hmm. You know, someone gets diagnosed with cancer, they're still showing up on Sundays. Oh, yeah. A lot of times they're working all the way through treatments these days. And so it's very hard to be able to say, well, with my limited manpower to take care of folks, that I need to be sending someone to go visit folks. And so the sad thing that happens is that sometimes a person will end up in hospice Mm. and the church hasn't shown up yet. Right, mm-hmm. not that they haven't cared, not that that hasn't been on the prayer list, but in terms of really visiting and really ministering face to face with this person and the family doesn't happen until then, and that's that's not
0: right, yeah, you know that's true i I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone has cancer, and then even with Jeff, he was told he would not survive a week before he passed away because he prayed and we prayed, and we sure. all thought he was going to be healed yes but it doesn't always happen that way and and i know there was a woman from our church that didn't even know she had cancer until a week before she passed away so wow. it does happen we have two minutes left karen any just quick closing thoughts that you have um well um i would love
1: to be able to share that in the spring we're going to be doing our very first cancer prevention walk uh, which i'm very excited about it's going to be nationwide and the idea is that it's not a one-day walk it's a week-long walk um, in addition to be able to raising funds for the ministry, it's also about getting awareness about that walking just in and of itself, consistent ex- exercise can end up lowering your risk of cancer. Oh, wow. And so we're going to have all kinds of pages on our website and web seminars and information for people to be able to learn what they can do um, through that week. It'll be the second week in June in 2016 um, to, to be able to kind of launch their own life of making some changes to be able to help
0: prevent cancer. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to add your website to our Family Shield recommended links. There's one link that deals with health issues. Thank you. And uh, so if people forgot what that website was, that that'll be a good way for them to connect to you and learn more about that walk. Uh, I want to just mention again, we're giving away the booklet Cancer Courage Through Christ. It was written by Karen, and I I hope that a lot of our listeners will call in to get that free booklet, 1-877-250-8416. Or you can email us, and we'll get it sent out to you, witness at gmail.com. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. You can learn more about Family Shield Ministries at www.familyshield.com ministries.com. We hope that you will continue to listen each week to Family Shield. Thanks for listening.